This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Built by Bama online podcast presents Daybreak for Wednesday, June the 3rd, 2020. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. Here with you on Daybreak, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, each and every week. And I'm very happy to be joined this morning by Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for the 247sports.com network there for us at BOL. And Charlie, you know, we figured there would be some news perhaps with the calendar year, really, for the 2020 college football season getting underway here in the last couple of days. But between the social unrest in our country on the heels of the killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, to go along with the COVID-19 virus we've already been dealing with, uh, we've heard from some of the Alabama dignitaries here in recent days in relation to the unrest, Nick Saban, Nate Oates, Greg Byrne, there has been a show of support via official accounts. We saw that on Tuesday. Not all of UA sports programs took part, but most of them did. I'll tell you what, I've used the word surreal a lot, Charlie, when we've done these things, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to go away anytime soon. No, it has been a busy week, and uh, I think Alabama's done a pretty decent job of you know, getting out and, you know, being transparent, being present. Um, you know, Nick Saban, I believe it was last week when he was speaking to Large Mobile uh, during their virtual college football preview, he was talking about uh, leadership in the face of crisis. And one of the big things is, no, a lot of times you don't know what somebody's going through. And this speaks volumes to, to now because I think you and I are in agreement that we don't know what uh, African-Americans go through on a daily basis in terms of the um, – just the things that they face and the differences that they have to deal with. But being a leader in the face of crisis, a lot of it is just being present, uh, listening and, um, you know, being there for support. And I think Nick Saban, Nate Oates, Greg Byrne, Stuart Bell, the, the president of the university uh, have done a good job of, of getting in front of that. A lot of players uh, have shown support and shared, shared their uh, opinions. I'm sure a lot of that will continue as, as this thing starts or continues to unfold. But, uh, it has been it has been busy just in terms of that of keeping up with all of it the statements and, and everything's going on and I know with you know some things happening in Tuscaloosa with guys getting back on campus I'm sure we'll see more of it I know um, a lot of guys are already back guys either arrived uh, yesterday or will be getting in town today and they're going to be getting tested for the coronavirus before starting workouts next week but you're getting everybody back and uh, I'm sure they'll they'll be having some discussions with. Nick Saban and their their position coaches about things that are going on, but it's conversations that need to be had, and I think you know hopefully they can be progressive and um, productive about it. Yeah, you know, kind of doing a drive around campus on Tuesday afternoon, I sort of cut through the parking lot there off Bryant Drive at the Malmore Athletic Facility, and seeing the players' cars and trucks and vehicles back in a couple of the parking lots, seeing what looks like 
Bruce Wayne's personal vehicle that Nick Saban drives around these days. What about that rig? Have you seen that thing Saban's driving these days, by the way? That Mercedes? Uh, it's a convertible soft top. And again, when Bruce Wayne isn't Batman, this is the car Bruce Wayne drives around, Charlie. Not sure if you've seen it. I know I'm getting entirely off topic now, but saw that <laughs> saw that beauty parked in its uh, usual spot on Tuesday afternoon. Went by Bryant Hall, saw some signs of life there. Uh, went down by Bryant-Denny Stadium, and construction continues uh, at full tilt. Some uh, progress obviously being made on that new entrance tunnel there in the north end zone, that west side of the stadium where you got a lot of the luxury boxes and the expansion of the west side concourse there at the upper levels uh, continues on. It is June 3rd, so yeah, you're you're kind of led to think this might be cutting it a little tight. But uh, with the type of you know, size of construction crews they have there, it looks like they're making some really good progress in that regard. But you said it. So much to consider now with student athletes back on campus and you know the month of June and how important it is going to prove to be to what we have as far as a college football season goes. Because you know medically, you said it, the testing – the implementation of procedures, the execution of those. Man, when you think about workouts getting to get getting going next week, Charlie, on an organized basis, um, you know, and, and and the differences that are going to be in place compared to a year ago, uh, there's a lot riding on Jeff Allen and Matt Ray and David Ballou as we get into all this. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think that uh, the safety and the well-being uh, of the student athletes is obviously a priority in this whole uh, medical situation. Uh, I know that they're going to test the players before uh, the workouts. Then they're going to track and place an emphasis on health and hygiene and notably masks. And that's something we've seen from Nick Saban. He's kind of been um, out in the forefront of that just in terms of a public service announcement standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, if, if they can get this under control and make this a well-oiled machine to where, you know, guys are very cognizant of, cognizant of washing their hands, of practicing social distancing, continuing to wear masks around the building and things like that, uh, it just increases the chances of football happening on time. And right now, uh, I know Greg Burns spoke to the Red Elephant Club, um, you know, just this week. And he shared some of his thoughts there, and he remains very optimistic about the start of the season on September 5th. Uh, there's still obviously a lot to be done, and like you said, June is really important to that. But getting these guys back on campus and trying to uh, get back to a sense of normalcy, I think, is the first step in that. Now, you have to maintain it. You have to have the guys buy in and, and do everything and do the little things the right way. But uh, we'll see how it goes. I know I believe Nick Saban is supposed to talk this weekend they had like a spring update show with Eli Gold uh, back when the, the 8A game was supposed to kick off. And now mm-hmm. they're going through kind of a summer update. And I'm interested to see what he'll say there. Uh, but right now, it seems like everything is um, going along the way it should, as best as it can be in this situation. But it's going to be really interesting to see how this, week, this, this month, I should say, it plays out. Yeah, just totally unprecedented in terms of the approach that – you know, staff members like Jeff Allen, from a medical standpoint, have to take into advisement now with Matt Ray. And uh, we've talked about really the the fortunate nature of all this to be transitioning to approach more along the lines of 
what you get from David Ballou and Matt Ray in this particular instance, but uh, just just entirely different than than anything that those folks I'm sure have encountered in the past. Now, you do also wonder, kind of something that struck me on Tuesday afternoon, understanding that there are still some uh, organized events and protests coming up in the Tuscaloosa area with student athletes back on campus. Um, you know, sort of your expectation for perhaps some some involvement from maybe some Alabama student athletes in the coming days, because I believe later today there is a, an event, a peaceful protest uh, that is planned for downtown Tuscaloosa. Uh, a few more days down the road, I believe there's another. What do you think, Charlie? I'm not just at Alabama, but I could see this sort of coming to fruition at a variety of, of athletic departments around the country because we do have young people back on campuses across the, the nation. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think the good thing about Tuscaloosa is the, the protests that I've seen so far have been very peaceful. And uh, I think that's something that Nick Saban and the staff will talk about with these players once they get them all back on campus, which should be uh, soon, is that, you know, just be mindful. Don't get yourself in a situation you don't want to be in and uh, be respectful. I mean, these are peaceful protests and they're there for a reason and be there for that reason. And uh, I think if it if everything goes along those lines, it'll be fine. But I think if anything starts to escalate, I think that you know Nick Saban and, and the coaches will put their foot down and and you know tell them to to stay at home rather than go out. But that'll be interesting for sure to see how it plays out because um, you know the 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 young people of this country, um, you know they they have a voice. I think they want that voice to be heard. A lot of them are upset. And uh, you know, they want to express that. And I think protesting is, is a way to do that. And, um, you know, it's, it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out, because um, I think a lot of the guys have, have taken to social media so far to, to share their their thoughts and, you know, given the platform to be able to, to go out and do something about it. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see how the, the staff handles that and, and what comes about, if anything. You talk about symmetry in this particular situation. You think this doesn't resonate with Nick Saban? It was 50 years ago, almost to the day, Nick Saban was a student in 1970 at Kent State at the time of the killings of the four students there on the Kent State campus. Thirteen students shot in all, but uh, Nick Saban's reflected on that situation in the past. I know, Charlie, and so... um, you would think, yeah, based on sort of the the uh, the outline that you gave, uh, it, it wouldn't be something that Nick Saban would be uh, uh, totally against, I wouldn't think. I think he would probably view this as perhaps uh, an educational opportunity in a lot of ways, too. Yeah, and he's, you know, give him credit. I know he's getting up there in age, and that's used against him in recruiting, but he's a forward-thinking person. He's a progressive-thinking person. And, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, he's been in this situation before. He knows the shoes that these guys are stepping into. So uh, I think that, you know, he wants the guys to make the best choices and decisions uh, that they can, and uh, that continues to be with situations like this. But if Tuscaloosa, you know, continues to to do things the right way, I don't think Nick Saban would have too big of a problem with some of his guys go out there and showing their support. So let's get into uh, a situation involving uh, Alabama football player who apparently will not be a part of the 2020 uh, football roster, and that's Tyrell Shavers. As we learned on Tuesday afternoon. 
Matt Zenitz, first to report there for AL.com. I know you were able to confirm it, had a report of your own there for us at BamaOnline.com. The redshirt junior wide receiver opts for the grad transfer route, Charlie, after seeing time as a reserve each of the last two seasons. You talk about a tough spot for a guy. He's a talented guy, too, Terrell Shavers. But you come in with the same class of wide receivers that includes Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs III. Um, kind of the other guy. But uh, what do you think? It, 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 in terms of a surprise, was this much of one? Maybe a little, just because you know he is entering a situation where two of those three guys are no longer on campus with Jerry yeah. Judy and, and Henry Ruggs moving on to the NFL and, and Alabama having a, a spot open for that number three receiver. But, um, you know, a lot of these time or in a lot of these situations, they have conversations with Nick Saban, their position coaches, and, and they see the writing on the wall. I think a lot of people are expecting a guy like John Mechie to take that next step and potentially be that number three receiver. Uh, I think guys like Slade Bolden and Xavier Williams, are going to have opportunities as well. And maybe even the freshmen, guys like uh, Treshawn Holden, uh, Javon Baker's now on campus, and Thio Jones-Bell, who's a talented prospect from from South Florida. And we know what kind of uh, receivers Alabama's been able to pull from Florida in past years. So um, you know, Alabama's in a good spot at the receiver room, even after losing a pair of first-round draft picks. But you would like to have that big-body receiver and a guy that uh, has the talent of Tyrell Shavers. He's a big dude, but he's pretty quick. Um, you know, he's entering his fourth year in the program, so he knows the system, but, uh, you know, now he can go and maybe find a greener pasture and more playing time than he was, than he was expecting. And he can do so right away uh, as a grad transfer. And the good news is, I mean, he was able to get his degree and he has two years of eligibility left and, um, you know, you hope for the best for him, but that also, you know, that gets Alabama closer to that number 85 mark. I believe right now that would make them at 88 scholarship players so they're inching closer to that and so you know i, I know that shavers is a, a big story today but there's still going to have to be a couple of guys to to leave in order for them to get down to that magic number 85 yeah that was going to be my next question i i would guess this isn't the extent of it in terms of some potential roster news as this team gets together and starts to move through the the coming days and weeks no, yeah, and you know, you you hate to speculate on things like that. I'm not going to try to guess who who would uh, go in next, but you just look at positions where there's a logjam at the position groups, um, and maybe you could try to put together some guys that would look elsewhere. But you know, it, it's always a tough decision. I mean, Alabama recruits at the the top of the food chain, and guys are coming in, and they know they're going to have to compete, and sometimes. Um, you know, that just doesn't play out for him for whatever reason. And so you hope for the best for those guys, but it'll be interesting to see what happens because now that they're getting into voluntary workouts and inching closer to what you know, could be preseason camp, you're going to have to shave that number down and uh, we'll see, you know, who's the next guy to pop there in the transfer portal. Yeah. And that preseason camp, I would think at this point, a reasonable expectation is that we're looking at a start date a good bit earlier than what we've been accustomed to in the past. If this recommendation um, from uh, the, the committee of football, really, there is is approved by the NCA Division I Council, it sounds like that six-week window that's been talked about, Charlie, could be employed for a preseason run-up to the regular season. Look, we've we've 
document in the past. I'm far from a mathematician. But with that sort of time frame, what are we what are we thinking, Charlie? Mid July possibly for a start of some semblance of preseason practices, perhaps? Yeah, I mean that would really give SEC Media Days the the official start to football season because you would have to start basically <laughs> right after that. And whatever form that is, uh, you know, we still have yet to, to know for SEC Media Days. But if that's the case, that gives you know Nick Saban and his staff that little bit of a window to to really work on fundamentals with players really to make up for lost time that they had or they didn't have i guess i should say in, in spring practice and that helps out the young guys guys that enrolled early guys that got on campus um you know here this this past week or this week uh the the mid-year enrollees and so um i think that's a good idea um you know hopefully they'll mandate it somewhat to to limit the the amount of contact and, and full pads that the players can um, can have, just because it's going to be so damn hot in July when yeah. they're hitting the practice field. But I think just from a preparation standpoint, uh, that makes a lot of sense, and I think that'll be beneficial to a lot of clubs. Gotta think we'll see a lot of indoor practices, right, in July yeah. if that is in fact the case. And look, you can ramp up that Hank Dor- Hank Crisp indoor facility to get pretty warm. All right. Uh, it's not like it's going to be, uh, you know, my, my, my house in the summer when I try to crank it down to 62, but the wife <laughs> fights me on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, just to, to worry about the other side of the safety issue with players, uh, in that type of scenario is certainly going to have to be taken into consideration as well. Time to take a break on a Wednesday edition of Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, we'd appreciate you subscribing to the Built by Bama online podcast. Also, if you don't mind, leave us a rating and or a review while you're there. That would be greatly appreciated as well. When we come back, we are going to make the case for and against multiple true freshman defensive starters In 2020, that would mark the second consecutive season that Alabama would have had multiple true freshman starters on the defensive side of the ball. We'll do that with Charlie Potter when Daybreak returns right after this. All right, let's take a look at this Alabama defense and the 2020 season and the potential once again for a lot of youth to impact that side of the football for coordinator Pete Golding. I think the difference maybe this year, right, is that you're anticipating the need for so many or a good bit of newcomers to make that type of contribution on defense. Last year, you were broadsided, I would say, more so because of injuries. Yeah, I mean, last year was such an anomaly. I know they had had injuries in the past, but just the defensive side of the football was was hit so hard, especially at that inside linebacker position. But you know, this year you look at it, and, and there's some talented dudes that are that are coming in in this 2020 class. And you know, Nick Saban hasn't been shy about praising this group, especially from a character standpoint. And I think what's interesting is that there are really some positions we haven't seen freshmen um, make an early contribution, or at least a traditional contribution to Alabama. Now we've seen guys like Minka Fitzpatrick and Ronnie Harrison uh, contribute as true freshmen uh, in the past, but I think safety with just how thin it is. With guys like uh, Xavier McKinney and Jared Maiden and even Shaheem Carter moving on to the league, uh, there's just there's a lot of opportunities and not a lot of experience returning there. And then you look at outside linebacker, the the same can be said there with both Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis moving on. 
Um, you know, they have some guys like Christopher Allen who have been in the the program for a while, and I think he can be um, you know a guy that we see a lot of this fall. But there's still going to be a lot of opportunities for young players. I think King Makuta uh, is a guy that is coming into his second year that could really take that next step. You look at guys like Ben Davis, maybe a guy like Josh McMillan gets some running outside linebacker spot. We saw him. At in the past, um, you know, Kevin Harris redshirted last year. You know, maybe he is a guy that takes that next step. Dress Parks, but that's a lot of question marks. That's a lot of what ifs, and you know, we'll see. So Alabama brought in what was arguably the nation's best group of linebackers, and all four of the guys that are projected to be outside linebackers were top 100 recruits. Guys like Will Anderson, uh, Chris Braswell, Drew Sanders, uh, Quandarius Robinson. Those guys are those guys are dudes, and I think they're going to be. You're coming in and looking to to play, and they're going to be uh, really hard to to keep off the field. I think if they compete the way that I think they can. Yeah, it's you know we can talk about corner a little bit too. If you talk about newcomers, Ronald Williams obviously yeah. is a junior college transfer. Whether it's corner or star, yeah. But we're talking about true freshmen in this segment, and. Um, so many last year because of the injuries. I mean, you look at the defensive line, Justin Aboigby made some starts up front. Byron Young made some starts up front. DJ Dale was a 10 game starter at nose tackle, despite navigating injuries throughout the 2019 season. Of course, Christian Harris, Shane Lee at the inside linebacker spots, almost really from wire to wire, uh, in 2019, Jordan battle at safety. Uh, in the dime package makes four starts a year ago. So some of those bumps and bruises you took a year ago going to help you in some spots up front. And that's why I think maybe Timothy Smith is a a notable contributor up front, Charlie. But I, I guess that lessens his chances of just stepping right into a role because you do return all those guys to go along with LeBron Ray and Christian Barmore. So you got pretty good quality and numbers there along that defensive front, but I think you hit on it. Safety and outside linebacker, just not an area where you see Alabama run a lot of true freshman starters out there, probably for different reasons, more so from the safety perspective. There's so much that has to be processed uh, upstairs for, for a player at that position, so much responsibility that's placed on the safety position uh, from that perspective at Alabama. And then the other way around, I think physically at outside linebacker, if we're going to talk about starting at outside linebacker, right, I think the, the common notion is that you think about pass rush, but we both know uh, starting at outside linebacker starts with first and 10. And as long as teams are a threat to run the football on first and 10, you got to be able to play against the run to be out there to start games. Yeah, and they've had some some dudes there in the past. Look at guys like Anthony Jennings of late. I mean, he was really yeah. key, and I think a guy Stout. that um, that Alabama will, will learn that they miss a lot this fall. Uh, guys like Ryan Anderson, uh, even the guy like Denzel Duvall. They're those guys that are essentially defensive ends and can uh, stop the run, and, and that is really key. And you know, going back to what you said about the defensive line, I mean. I think Alabama's defensive line has a lot of potential to be really good this fall. It's just like a lot of other positions on defense. There's just a lot of question marks. Just, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that 
were forced into action last year, whether it was DJ Dale or Justin Aboyby or Byron Young or even Christian Barmore at times. But uh, now can they take that next step after having that year of experience under their belt? I think that does hurt. I agree with you. I got like Tim Smith, even though I think he can he can carve out a, a spot in the rotation. If DJ Dale is healthy, uh, I think he's the guy at nose tackle. But you know, we, we haven't seen a healthy DJ Dell in a long time. You know, so that's going to be something interesting to, to see what happens when, when fall camp rolls around. But yeah, I mean, just from a, a youth perspective, um, these guys have to be able to learn on the fly. We saw that with the inside linebackers last year. I think that says a lot about guys like Shane Lee and Christian Harris and just how Nick Saban and the staff have talked about this 2020 class and the, the character and uh, the intelligence of these guys, I think that you can make a case for for a lot of these guys to play. And I think, you know, the you see how these guys were rated in, um, you know, by us and other services. And I know that that stars don't really matter when you get to the next level, but um, the quality of player that Alabama is bringing in uh, to to rush the passer and to be a presence on the edge. I think is going to be uh, is going to pay dividends just because they don't have a lot of experience at that position and guys that have really had to wait their turn and not really been used a lot. Uh, I think with this influx of, of talent and youth that that could ultimately be a, a blessing for the outside linebacker position. They could maybe have to learn on the fly and and be playing uh, with their pants on fire a little bit. But uh, I think that they brought in a lot of talent that can help this defense out in 2020. Yeah, stars and rankings aside, just in terms of how you look at some of these guys and think they're going to fit in quite nicely, quite early uh, in this Alabama defense, Will Anderson. Mm -hmm. And I go there as much again because I think physically he's as close to being ready to take on a lot at outside linebacker as a true freshman. I look at Brian Branch, safety position. It's also interesting with safety, too, though, because sort of like how you pointed out with Josh McMillan, and perhaps he could give you some Anthony Jennings if you cross-train him at outside linebacker, a position he has experience in in the past. You know, there's that possibility, too, right, with guys at corner that could end up getting some run at safety, I would think. Yeah, that was one of the big things that I took away from from Nick Saban talking about Ronald Williams. I know he's not a true freshman, but being a newcomer, you know, he's coming from a, a, a really good community college. He was a, a JUCO All-American, if I'm not mistaken, and he showed the versatility to play corner star and safety. And with what Alabama has to replace in that secondary yeah. with guys like Xavier McKinney, Jared Maiden, Shaheem Carter, Trayvon Diggs, uh, moving on, I mean, he could fill several roles. and. There's going to be a lot of mixing and matching, I think, especially close to the line of scrimmage with, you know, you don't know where Patrick Sertan is going to line up because you know, speaking with his dad, um, you know, he, he's very um, open to playing, you know, whether it be on the boundary or at star. And that could shake up where things end up for a guy like Ronald Williams. And then safety. I mean, you never know. We, we haven't seen a single practice with any of these new guys to know where they're being placed by the staff. Yeah. So. And that could be a spot for him, too. So that, that'll be interesting to see how the secondary plays out because there's just so many spots up for grabs. I think you can kind of guess to where some of these guys will go. But you know, sometimes in that secondary, Alabama and Nick Saban like to throw you a curveball, and you see a guy that will line up at a different position. So, yeah, I think that's a good point and, and something that I'll certainly be looking for when we go out there for that first practice, whenever that is. Guys like Ronald Williams, guys like Jalen Armour Davis, Guys like Brandon Turnage, just in terms of their physical makeups, they are translatable, right, 
to multiple positions, including safety, if it comes down to it. So I don't know. I, you know, I'm inclined to go with multiples, but I'm going to go under. And again, it'll all be predicated really upon the package in all likelihood that Alabama's in. If you were going to tell me, you know, Alabama was going to primarily be in a base three, four throughout the season, which it will not. Recent history tells us that won't be the case. Well, I could see a true freshman being one of those two outside linebackers. Um, I could even in a base for defensive back look kind of see even a true freshman being one of the two safeties because you have total overhaul at both those positions. You need you need two starting outside linebackers and you need two starting safeties. Now, safety it, 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 it's a little bit more clear or so it would seem with Jordan battle factoring there, but outside linebacker, man, I mean, the top two or three guys that could come from anywhere, even with Christopher Allen having experience and the expectation, as you talked about Makuta taking a big step in year two. Um, what do you think? You're going to go, you, you're going to go with multiple or you, you think, uh, Alabama goes under that this year. See, it is hard because I think that we could see a, a freshman in, in safety maybe carve out a role in, in dime situations to where, yeah. say, I think I'm in agreement with you that Jordan Battle is a guy that is your starter at safety. He's going to be an every down starter. But say a guy like, I don't know, DeMarco Hellams, uh, you know, steps in front of a guy like Daniel Wright and he's the, the yeah. guy in, in base and in, in nickel. But then you bring on a dime situation. Helms is your perfect money guy. And that's what players like Xavier McKinney and Jared Maiden have told me is they think he's suited for that role. Well, then maybe you bring on a guy like Brian Branch in a dime situation like we saw with Jordan Battle, like we saw with Ronnie Harrison mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. So it is it is kind of a, does that count as a starter? I mean, in my mind, I think so because he's with, he's a rotational. First, he has yeah. a first team spot, but it's not in every down situation. <laughs> but uh, then you also, like, for me, it, it could be a situation – where we saw a couple of years ago with Patrick Sertan, where he didn't start the first couple of games, but then it's we true. saw him come in in that Ole Miss game, and then he walked down that spot the rest of the year. Maybe it takes a blunder from one of these older guys to to let them step in. So I would probably lean towards maybe going under at uh-huh. this point too. But then I think it might be a little different as the season progresses. But if it does you, happen, if it does happen, who are the two guy, two guys, or three guys, or you know, who, who are the prime candidates for you? I, I think we're probably in agreement on this one. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with what you said earlier with it being Will Anderson and, and branch. And yeah. I, you know, I think Ronald Williams would be somewhere in there too. He's not a true freshman. He is a newcomer. And then, yeah. um, you know, I think if someone on the defensive line were to step up, it would be Timothy Smith, but I would, the, the guys at the top of the list for me would be Anderson and branch at outside linebacker and safety respectively. There you go, Charlie. I think we got it covered, man. As always, appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. No problem, man. It's always fun to catch up and to, to hypothesize about things like this. I know Nick Saban loves it. <laughs> he absolutely does. He absolutely deals in hypotheticals. As we know, he's told us that many, many times, Charlie. Uh, good stuff with Charlie Potter, as always, on the website at BamaOnline.com. If you haven't already, give Charlie a follow on Twitter at Charlie underscore Potter, P-O-T. T-E-R. For Charlie Potter, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for joining us here on Daybreak, part of the Built by Bama online podcast. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.